You're listening to IT Market Buzz, sponsored by Copy Punch IT. Here's your host, Kimberly Duran. In part two of our interview, Sammy Jaja of Arcadi Group talks about some of the unique challenges of SaaS marketing. One of the big differences in in SaaS marketing is really, interestingly enough, driven by not so much the marketing of it, but by the delivery model of SaaS. Uh, what SaaS changes, software as a service changes, is how you collect your money. Uh, it used to be that you, you'd get leads, sales reps would go out, they'd knock a deal down, it'd be a half a million dollar deal, you'd do two or three of those a quarter or whatever the case were, everybody would celebrate and you know you just do a few more in the next quarter and you kind of marketed with the idea that it didn't matter how how good the program was as long as it got one or two deals in the door it was fine because mm-hmm. the ROI was there um, oh and by the way if that million dollar deal became shelfware well it was still a million dollar deal well that's kind of changed with SaaS because you don't get that million dollars up front you get that million dollars over three or four or five or six years so you have to get it in Oftentimes, based on the model of how you're actually paid, if it's transaction-based or use-based, you have to deliver. And you have to get it up and delivering and fast and and keep the momentum in order to collect the money. You also have to do a lot more deals to get to that million dollars, at least in the short term. Now, in the long term, four or five years down the road, it works to your advantage. In the short term, it works to your disadvantage. So marketing has to drive, so what marketing changes in marketing is, one, they've got to drive more leads. It's more of a numbers game. It's more of a numbers game to get people trying, to get them piloting, to get them started. You've got to do more nurturing of, of leads through the process as people will try it. Or you'll have to do more communication to customers that are through the process. So after the service part starts, marketing's got to continue to, and sales have got to continue to stay involved with the client. Uh, after-sale communication is key. Service is key. Nurturing is is fairly key to that. So those are all things that marketing didn't really have to think about as much because as it related to the business model of selling packaged software. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that's kind of that's one so that's one important thing is kind of the whole lead generation engine. Another thing that's interesting is the um, the marketing of the phrase itself. It was ASP, and then it was hosted, and then it was SaaS, and then it was on-demand, or maybe it was on-demand, then it was SaaS, now it's cloud computing. And it's very interesting to watch the dynamics around that because, you know, I was talking with a client yesterday, and I said, well, you know, you helped us four or five years ago to really focus on the on-demand phrase and the SaaS phrase, but now people kind of consider that cliche. I think if we start using cloud computing, you know, there are people be – IT would be actually more interested in buying it if we just said it was cloud computing. And I thought that was very interesting. I mean, basically you were taking, you know, the new name cloud computing, and you, if you ask people now, well, how is cloud computing different than on-demand or SaaS? While there may be a specific technical difference, I'm not aware of it, um, from the market standpoint, it's, I don't think buyers really understand there to be a difference. And so, which phrase are you going to get around? Are you going to talk about, are you going to use all of them? You know, we're the on-demand software as a service cloud-based computing solution. <laughs> are, you going, are you going to lead with just one of them or kind of figuring out how you're going to message around it? Software as a service, the good news is software as a service in the product life cycle acceptance phase is probably fairly ma- mainstream now. 
companies like Salesforce.com and numerous others have, have, have just made it uh, very easy for people to just consume and consider and purchase software as a service. Uh, in fact, I'd say now 80% of our co- software companies are now software as a service in some form or fashion. Uh, and, and many are starting to not even have a package solution anymore. So it's, it's, it's no longer, no longer innovative. So now you need to talk more about cloud computing and, and kind of understand what, what that means. One thing that you can do and that I think that has been very, that we've done very successfully for clients is right on the coattails of whatever the wave is. Mm-hmm. You know, four or five years ago, IBM was running these humongous, I mean, half a billion, billion dollar, I mean, big marketing campaigns around on-demand business. And I used to tell clients, your budget just increased by a billion dollars because they've got this on-demand thing going out there. Let's, and we used to start to position a lot of their solutions. We would mention software as a service, but we'd talk about on-demand computing and on-demand solutions and just rode the, the wave. Well, if Google's talking cloud and everybody's talking cloud, I mean, why wouldn't you tap into that? I mean, you've, you've got a phenomenon that's occurring. Just don't... Ex- expect it to be as unique as it once was, at least not from a software standpoint. It's not really the differentiator it once was. In, in certain industries, it may be. As it's gone through these phases over the last four or five years, one of the things that we found is what's important has, has changed significantly. Uh, four or five years ago, for companies to think that you were going to keep their data and security was a huge issue. It's still an issue in bigger companies. It's still an issue. It's less so. Integration was something that used to be a big issue. It's still an issue. It's less so. So marketing also has to kind of figure out, well, what, now what are the buyer's issues? Because their issue set changes now under, with cloud computing. It's like, well, how do I integrate? And is it secure? And who are you doing this? And where is it? So, so the tools that you provide the sales organization are going to change to kind of really address the, those questions that will come up in the sales cycle. Yeah, you kind of touched on it earlier, but I'm curious about how the communication is different with the IT buyers in a SaaS campaign because a lot of your focus is on business people, right? Well, one of the advantages that SaaS brings to the table is if you go into a large organization, and particularly if you're selling to – sometimes you're selling a technology solution to the technology buyer. Sometimes you're selling a technology solution really to a business buyer. Because it's the business driver and the business buyer, the functional buyer, the sales or marketing or accounting or finance or treasury or whomever person that really needs that solution. And the issue associated when you go to a, a, a functional buyer is that while they say, yes, I need that, yes, I want that, and yes, I have the budget for it, ultimately IT needs to get involved and, and either approve the solution, be okay with it, manage it, maintain it, deliver it in some form or fashion. It's not like IT is waiting around for somebody to call them and give them something to do. IT has a list mm-hmm. of projects that extends out two years, and they don't need anybody to walk down the hall and give them another one, right? So mm-hmm. when, when you're trying to insert and get somebody really excited about a solution uh, on the business side and they're getting excited about it, the fact that it's a cloud computing solution actually helps you with IT because IT thinks, great, it's not more hard. I don't need to buy more hardware. I don't need to go implement it, test it, and base it. I just need to do my security checks to make sure it can integrate, it's secure, I have access to data. So I've got my list of things I care about, but it's a much smaller list than the list of I've got to install it, maintain it, manage it, update it, and all the other, the, the bigger list. So understanding that 
can really help you if you if you have a product that is being sold to a functional channel or to to a functional buyer. The exact opposite effect can happen if you're selling to a technology buyer and they have the "I must own it and control it" mindset. Mm-hmm. So now you've got to fight all. You know, so what helped you in one case could actually hurt you in another case, and in that case, um, that while that is we're finding happening much less. Um, it still can be a concern if someone has that, that, that own it mentality. And usually in that case, in many case, or in many cases, there are software companies that say, well, we also have an installed version of this. But we're finding it to be less so. Because SaaS apps have such direct contact with the end users, is that useful for you because you get direct feedback, you know, as far as uh, you learn a little bit about the user patterns that you can use in marketing? Or is that a little bit terrifying to have no lag time between selling this product and, and having users using it, whether they continue to subscribe? Uh, no, I think that's, that's a great point. And, and there's two elements to that. One is that part of marketing's job is, is oftentimes to help clients do the pull-through out to their users, particularly if the users are not – if you sell to a company that has to then go get users that are external to that company – so you end up getting into a mode of marketing B to B to C or B to B to another B user outside of a company. Because one of the things that SaaS solutions do is they enable not just people within your company to use it, but people outside of your company to use it. Mm-hmm. So you might sell, for example, a SaaS solution to a bank, and they may open that up to their corporate customers. But unless their corporate customers use it and on, on the system that you've provided to the bank, you don't get paid. So you not only have marketed and sold it successfully to the bank, but now you've got to get the bank to sell it to their corporate customers, right? So now you're going B2B to C or B2B to B. So one thing that we've seen and we've helped a few clients do is actually generate programs, not only now that you've sold the first line, but help the bank then sell the next line and, and help facilitate their marketing it out to get users on the system. That oftentimes becomes a key component of marketing. But then secondarily, now that they have gotten those users on the system, you have a tremendous amount of data, not only about what they use, but you now have a source that you can go out and ask questions to. And we've used surveys and other techniques to reach out through that audience to find out about feature sets or how they're using it or the benefits they've achieved. You know, you walk around with marketing brochures that say, um, you know, get this benefit. That's great. But if you can send a survey to the 1,000 users that are on the system or 10,000 or 100,000 through those channels and say, well, how much time have you saved in this? And you find out that the average is 32%. Now you can say, well, we've surveyed people using the system, and 32% is the saving that's average. Well, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so we have been able to use that kind of research and survey data to actually implement it and talk through to those customers. The only caveat that you have is you just got to be very careful when you're communicating to users that belong to another company or belong to that bank, right? Mm-hmm. The bank's going to be like, well, wait a second. You're surveying our customers. We want to see what that survey looks like. So oftentimes what we've found is we've had to actually present the survey to the, the intermediary who then pushes it out to the users. And... It varies by, by obviously by market and by solution, but yes, it actually is a very rich source of data. 
uh, and at the same time, you'll know if they're angry immediately. <laughs> yeah, so. I think that part's a little bit scary. Useful, but a little bit intimidating. I, I commend you for taking that on. It's something that we're really excited about. We've we've grown up in the software industry, so the software industry has been used to um, platform changes over the last 25, 30 years as it went from mainframe to mini to to, uh, to to microcomputer or PC, to client server, to Internet. And the latest revolution now, which we're just getting our hands around, uh, is obviously the uh, mobile computing version, where now that's its own platform. Um, so marketers that, that want to do software marketing have, I think, always had to kind of face these ongoing, every five to ten years, platform development changes in terms of marketing this different platform or different, a mechanism for how software works. And, and that, to me, that's one of the exciting things about high-tech marketing is, is that change. I want to thank you again for sharing your thoughts and your ideas. Arketi has a really popular podcast. Yes, it does. Uh, we do a B2B um, marketing podcast. It, it was ranked number one in the category for B2B marketers. And Fantastic. And how can vendors get in touch with Arketi Marketing? We'd love for people to come visit our website at www.arcadi.com and blog there and our podcast there and a bunch of good uh, stuff they can subscribe to and, and some thought leadership and content that we think is useful for people who are trying to progress uh, B2B technology marketing. Thank you so much, Sammy, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to IT Market Buzz with your host, Kimberly Duran. Please visit our sponsors at www.copypunch.com.